wanted to introduce you to a couple of gold level sponsors of top rated MMA and the Bearded Biz Show. Number one, Anglesey Family Chiropractic. They're in Coeur d'Alene where I'm at. They're also in Spokane Valley. I know I have a lot of fighters that follow our show and have been able to connect with fighters from that area. If you're a fighter, if you're at the gym or just need an adjustment, Dr. Craig Anglesey is your guy. Go check him out. He is in Coeur d'Alene and Spokane Valley. I also wanted to introduce you to Training is Ritual. They're an MMA apparel company based out of Alabama. They've got MMA gear for both men and women, accessories, rash guards, supplements. If you're into death metal, horror movies, leg locks, and MMA, this is the brand you want to go check out. They're an awesome apparel brand, high quality gear every time. Go check them out. Training is ritual. Doc. Speak to your two-time Grammy award-winning artist, founder of Arrested Development and documentary producer. Again, thank you for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate this. Absolutely. I wanted to go back a little bit because I'm always intrigued, but uh, what was childhood like for you? And did you always know that you wanted to go into music as a kid? I, I had a really um, sort of polar opposite childhood. So okay. I was raised in a middle class family, um, working middle class neighborhood in what seemed like a fairy tale town called Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Okay. And it was beautiful parks beautiful homes, everyone's lawn was extremely well manicured. And so it was sort of dreamy in that way. Because yeah. the other side of it was, I was born in 1968, the same year Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Um, racism was extremely um, common in my neighborhood. I was the one black family in an all white neighborhood. So I was called the N-word, a lot as a child. In fact, I didn't even know it was a bad thing until later. Um, that's how much I was called it from my, my white friends. I had a lot of white friends. Of course, growing up in an all-white neighborhood, I had white friends. Sure. And so I also was um, um, attacked numerous times in my childhood. Um, there was gangs called the Greasers when, when I was young. And the greasers attacked my house and took our furniture from our living room and put it on top of our roof. And they painted swastikas all on our doors and oh took sledgehammers to my swing set, me and my brother's swing sets and stuff like this. So some really um, sort of up and down reality, two sides of, of reality as a child. So yeah, but it creates the type of person that I am, the passions that I have for justice and for, um, you know, evolving past mm -hmm. these, these extremely ignorant times is, is really something I'm passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the debut album from Rest of Development, three years, five months, two days in life of, sold over six million albums. It's actually the first CD that I ever owned. So this is such an honor for me to be able to talk with you today. But that was how long that you guys took to get that record contract. What kept you guys going during that? I mean, most people would have just kind of, you know, said peace out and, and not kept going, but you guys kept fighting for that. Well, for me, it was pretty, it was pretty simple. No one I knew, I, again, I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Not one person I knew had ever had a deal. I didn't know any artist that had ever had a record deal. And Milwaukee was very, um, it's the hardest place for black people to live right now. Like it's, it's statistically known as the hardest place for black people. Wow. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity yeah. for the people that I was around and, uh, and many of the people that I knew as friends. And so I felt like this was my only chance. And so there's a certain type of fight that you learn how to get when you feel like it's do or die and that's what i felt like and so yeah. i agree with you though it is tough to 
you know, deal with the rejection and deal with the unknown of whether or not this dream is ever going to come to fruition. So I'm really grateful that we stuck to it, obviously. And three years, five months, two days in the life of us is what got us our record deal. And I'm very grateful that we stuck in there. Yeah. Oh, man, it's such an impactful album, especially for me. Like I said, it's the very first album I ever owned. Huge Thank fan you. of Mercy Villain. So, um, but with all that success, you guys continue to donate a bunch of money to Nelson Mandela and the ANC and then National Coalition of the Homeless. Why was it so important to give back? Well, you know, my mother and father raised me in a household of activism. So my mom owns the largest black newspaper in Wisconsin. It's called the Milwaukee Community Journal. And it's been 43 years in, the, in existence. And at the breakfast table, we would often talk about the problems that our community faced, you know, and we would also try to talk about what solutions could we offer. Mm -hmm. And so when I became, um, you know, popular in the rap world, I didn't want to be like many of the people I looked up to, but unfortunately they weren't really giving back as much as they could with the newfound fame they had. And I didn't want to be that way. I was like, well, I may not have this fame forever. So while I have it, let's, let's use it to try to help some of the situations that, you know, are facing us. And that's what we did. So and then we started yeah. donating to the ANC because unfortunately the, the oppression that blacks faced in America was also going on on the continent of Africa and in the Caribbean and in South America, Central America. So it was a worldwide issue. So we just decided to try to um, help. And that was during apartheid. So it was mm. more desperate than it, than it even is today. So yeah. We, yeah, that's why we decided to give to it. We also gave um, monies to Africa another time when we won this. It was a cheesy show that came on, I think it was in 2005 or so, but it was called Hit Me Baby One More Time. Okay. It was a funny show where like groups from the past came and started competing against each other. We were competing against like Vanilla Ice, I think, or somebody like okay. that, I'm not sure. It was funny, but um, we, we gave the money, we gave the money that we won to um, Sierra Leone in Africa. They were going through some hardship inside. We gave the money to that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Now you've released two documentaries. One is the in factory and the other, the latest one being 16 bars where you actually went into jail to write music with inmates. What was that experience like? Where did that idea come from? Well, the idea came from a documentary I saw on CNN called this is life. And they were exposing this daddy daughter dance in a jail. And I've been to jails and prisons before humanizing that I saw with this particular jail where the dads that were presently incarcerated were allowed to have their daughters come to the jail. They had streamers and ribbons and music and a DJ, and they had a, a regular daddy-daughter dance. It wasn't through glass, it wasn't through bars, and it was just this really human moment that brought, especially the fathers, which in many instances in the Black community, for numerous reasons, aren't there. And so it was, to me, very, very important and it was it, whoever did it or allowed it to happen, I felt like had a vision. Yeah. So I, I um, talked to my manager and asked if he would reach out to them. And he wanted to anyway. He saw the same documentary and he thought, man, speech would be great for this. Let's reach out. And so we both, well, he reached out and they were excited to have me come in there and do some music. And that's how it all started. Um, okay. How I felt about it was, 
I was a little nervous, you know, even though I'd done prisons before and I've been in jails before, it's always different with each each particular experience is totally different. You meet different people. Yeah. And you never know the worst things that can happen while you're in there, you know. Yeah. Um, so I overcame that fear, obviously, and went on in. And it was a life-changing experience, and I'm very grateful I did it. Wow. How were the inmates picked to be part of that with you? That was an interesting process. We we first had the sheriff and his assistant, Sarah Scarborough, an amazing woman, and the sheriff, C.T. Woody. We asked them who's the most talented people in the pod and of the of the jail and send us tapes of them performing a cappella. Okay. And we sort of chose through, through some of those people. And then we wanted to learn their lives as well, not just their talent, yeah. find out what's their backgrounds, why were they in there. And it's funny, not one of them ever answered the question, why are we in here with, oh, I committed armed robbery or grand larceny, or they always mentioned the drugs or the underlying problems that were facing them. So they talked about, well, really it's drug addiction or really it's, you know, my, my parents had raised me in this atmosphere of selling drugs or gang membership or whatever. And so that's what we wanted to also really expose in this movie. What was the underlying reasons people were in this predicament that they were of prison. And, um, and so for those that have seen the movie, they love that aspect of it, that it really focuses on the inmates more than it does me. Absolutely. And how can folks go out and watch that today? Well, because everybody's, you know, self-quarantining, a lot of people are distancing themselves socially. I think this is a perfect time to go to Voodoo or Amazon or iTunes or Google Play, and you can get the movie. It's called 16 Bars. Um, my website has, has links to it. And my website is brotherspeech.com. And uh, I really encourage people to check this out. It's a very emotional film. Yeah. And it's about incarceration, but it's about music and it's about humanity. And I think people will enjoy it. You know, people, we've won a number of awards at film festivals for this. So I'm really encouraged by the response. So I wanted to transition just to a couple of fun questions, if that's all right. I've got these uh, things called pod decks. Essentially, they're just random questions for us podcasters. I'm going to pull one out and see. Hopefully, it's a, not a flop there for us. But uh, <laughs> this one says, what weird food combinations do you really enjoy? <laughs> well, I love um, rice, butter, and sugar. And so depending okay. on where somebody's from, they think it's weird. Like my wife, she thinks, my wife and kids think rice with butter and sugar is absolutely deplorable. And I love it. <laughs> like it's, it's something I was raised with. So yeah, rice, butter, and sugar, I love it. Okay, awesome. And last question for you, who was the biggest musical influence for you? I would say at the end of the day, the Almighty Prince is my favorite. Like, he's my favorite artist. Um, not only do I love his music, but I love the imagery that he put out there, and I love the, the boldness of his vision from start to finish. I mean, he always was ahead of the curve, and yeah. he's a musician's musician. So he loved to play instruments. He loved the art of music. And I just, I respect Prince probably the, the biggest of every other artist. Man, that is awesome. I love Prince as well. Speech, yeah. it's been such an honor to have you on my show today. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you taking the time.
Thank you for having me, brother. Hey guys, thank you so much for hanging around. Really appreciate it. If you'd like to see more videos from Top Rated MMA and the Bearded Biz Show, please click the playlist and also hit subscribe to our channel. Become part of the Top Rated MMA and Bearded Biz community. We would really appreciate your support. Also, please leave a comment below. I will read and respond to all of them. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day.